All right, we are live with memory tracks number 17. Seven, yeah, 17, that's it. Um, today we've got Jason Smith here joining us. Jason, say hello. 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 Jason is, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think, I always think back to when we first met, and I just remember it was through our friend Bryant, mm-hmm. who's yet to come on, uh, but will be on. We, we've been talking about it. He's been picking us songs. Um, and you guys were working together, I guess, at IBM previously. Yeah. And uh, he had introduced me at some point, I think, well, before, when you guys were still there together. Mm-hmm. But I remember, like, oh, yeah, this is that guy that I always see at literally every show I go to. <laughs> like, you, you're, uh, you've been a longtime uh, musician here in town and uh, attendee of shows and good taste. I think you're probably have like a nameplate somewhere inside of Hotel Vegas, but I don't know. <laughs> I think there was uh, someone sent me a photo once a couple of years ago of a it. Uh, the ballroom. Someone had had written Jason Smith and then put a heart around it in the women's restroom, <laughs> and I was shocked because I, I there's no, it had to have been another Jason Smith. Was the, the I guess you do have decision. like a name that there there's, there could be a few of you out there, but uh, yeah, I, I mean Vegas is not such a bad place to be at on a regular basis, I'd say. But yeah, you uh, you've you've got great taste uh, in music and. Also, are a very opinionated person. I would that say. is would true. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think that you know most people that know you know that you have uh, very strong opinions about very specific things. Um, music being probably one of the most ones, but I think you could also add whiskey to that, right? And scotch or scotch, I guess specifically. Not. I, yeah. Yeah, see, look, see, I've already messed problem. it up. Yeah, this you, is yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is clearly Wait, betraying what? betraying myself. <laughs> Well, educate. Let's let's get a little brief education here on the difference between scotch and whiskey. Then, well, scotch is a whiskey. Okay. Uh, so, I'm in a whiskey <laughs> club. Another coworker of ours invited me to join a few years ago. At the time, I didn't know anything about whiskey except when I drank it, I would drink Bullet Rye. I've since which we're learned, drinking right now. Which are, yeah, enjoyable. <laughs> uh, I've since learned that there are four major types of whiskey: rye whiskey, Irish whiskey, Scotch whiskey, and bourbon. Okay. And uh, those are legally defined by the countries where they're made. And I've also learned that I definitely prefer and love a very nice single malt scotch whiskey. That's your favorite? Like if you could just have the one, it'd be the single malt scotch whiskey. There, yeah. Okay. Good to know. Noted. Unfortunately, your birthday's already passed, so too bad. That's fine. <laughs> um, I got you a good birthday gift, though. Yeah. yeah. Been, been playing that. The Prince... Uh, was a self-titled record yeah. I think yeah good one everyone check it out we had uh, we shared mutual friends with um, Sam who came on earlier and did the Prince songs but you don't have any of those to your list today because I think you are you were a little late to the Prince train if I yeah I am late to the Prince train outside of his top 40 but hits knows. yeah that's yeah. fair yeah that's true you can't really escape his music yeah you but, can't not be a Prince fan um, but back to uh the songs and, and bringing you on. Um, I'm excited to do it because, you know, we've become good friends over the years, worked together previously, and then, you know, now just good friends. And um, the exciting thing is, is I guess about a month and a half ago, you asked me to play music with you. So we're also bandmates now. Yes, bandmates. <laughs> bandmates with gigs coming up. Yeah, that's right. Now this is like the official, like, we'll do a Mark Marin promo style because he's always like, oh, we did... For those of you that are in, I think Lawrence, Kansas. He didn't uh, invent. <laughs> he didn't invent doing that. I, yeah. So. Okay. It's a, yeah. I guess I, I like Pete Holmes. I used to really listen to make you make it weird podcast. Like that, what the fuck with Mark Marin and Pete Holmes? You made it weird are probably two of my biggest inspirations for doing this. Um, and you know they're working comedians, of course, and yeah. so they're always every episode is like, oh, we're coming through this town. Go to PeteHolmes.com to buy tickets and stuff. But uh, we won't give you the website, but we will tell you that we, we don't, don't have, have a website. <laughs> we don't have a website. You know, or even we, a Facebook page. A uh, so. Facebook page will, will appear soon. Um, uh, band is called? Horizontal Hold. Yeah. And we're playing on uh, Friday the uh, 17th? 17th? Yes, yeah, the 17th, right. for those who can't do math. Friday the 17th <laughs> at Beerland with uh, a bunch of good friends, Missing Pages. Yeah, another uh, new band, right? Another new, yeah. new, new-ish band in town. Mm-hmm. Another band called Nike. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
which and then also Austin Great's Fleshlights. Oh yeah, uh, which yeah, everyone so that's needs a, that's to see a, at some a point. A stacked bill if you're in the five one two and in need <laughs> of something to do. It's gonna be fun. Actually, we have uh, what about twenty minutes worth of material as of last night because we. I guess essentially wrote our last song last night. Yes, would you call it that? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so it should be uh, it should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. And I, it's I mean I'll I'll get emotional real quick. Uh, not emotional, but uh, yeah. I mean I've always looked up to you and your performances with Obian Threes and uh, John Lee Bonely, and I thought I think you're a great songwriter and an amazing guitarist. Which Looking at your song choices, I'm sure will come up at some point in this conversation. But uh, I feel like I'm doing everything I can do to remove the mystery. <laughs> like that's like one step at a time, just yeah. pulling back the veil. Uh, yeah, and you're like, yeah. oh, it's a house of cards. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's uh, it's cool. For I was really, I think a year ago when you released the Johnny Bonely stuff, I was like, I'm gonna learn every bass song. Every I'm gonna learn to play every song on bass so that you ever need another bassist then I can fly in and uh, yeah and instead and, uh, I just said I'm making a new band after, yeah which is great so I wasted learning all of uh, Steven's parts but um but it's okay uh but yeah I'm really excited to be playing with you and Orville on drums is, is awesome too because you know I've seen him play in so many bands around town so it's special thank you for letting me be a part of that and uh I can't wait to keep uh keep doing more music with you but that's just me, like being. Well, a, you're the one making on my podcast, but you're the one helping make my art happen. So I'm there in you the, go. you know, no, it's gonna be awesome. The beggar position here. I'm looking forward to it, um, and we'll have more shows beyond that. I think, yeah. yeah. So it should be good stuff. But, anyways, enough with the self promo. Um, Stamps.com. If you it's enter Friday the in 17th, memory Beerland, Texas, <laughs> the happiest place on earth. Uh, you missed my stamps.com joke, which I went is right the, over it. Through, yeah, that's yeah, okay. Not even gonna recognize it. That's okay. It wasn't that funny. Um, so oh, like, uh, I, do you listen to uh, did you listen to Keeping at 1600 during the election yeah. season that so one? it's John Favreau and uh, the director John Favreau no or the, the speechwriter speech writer, yeah. and Tommy Veter that's so confusing uh, the two Favreaus that's like. fine <laughs> uh, but they did a they now have Pod Save America and oh, so cool. they do some pretty hilarious intros for their uh, that's for cool. their sponsors that's cool well I don't know if this um, episode will save America, but, you know. That's not what okay. we're going for here. <laughs> uh, well, cool. Should we kick off with yeah. our, our first selection? So the first track is from uh, a guy, an artist named Lonnie Mack, and the name of the song is called Wham. Here we go. <laughs>
Rehab's Wham by Lonnie Mack. It's a straight up barn burner. 1964. Mm-hmm. Oldie. Yeah, he's uh, he's from Memphis. Uh, the record's called The Wham of That Memphis Man. And uh, so when I was trying to think of the songs to pick for, for doing this, the, you know, picking only three songs that mean something to you, mm-hmm. all of that mm-hmm. is daunting yeah. and cruel. Uh, Which to, is why to force I invited someone you on. <laughs> to do that is uh, it's not right, well, uh, but no one asked, no one forced you. So I just so I so I tried to pick some songs that I had you know history with, right? For for what reason? So the way that I discovered this song was when I started playing guitar. I was in sixth grade, and I did the usual. Uh, Playing play guitar to get girls? No, I, I like, my dad played guitar, so it was just in the house. Oh, like, okay. I just wanted to I play really guitar. To play. Yeah, yeah, so I was like, yeah, I want a guitar for Christmas. They gave me a guitar for Christmas, and I just had no idea what, what I was doing. What kind of guitar was it? I was an Ibanez Blazer. It was uh, uh, a yeah. very cool like a guitar. Jet black. No, it was uh, metallic blue, and the paint headstock oh, cool. was painted uh, to match nice. with a black pickguard, and then it had brass hardware. Wow. Yeah, yeah. This is a, a great guitar. <laughs> Strat sick. copy. For those of you nerds who care about intellectual property, in the late <laughs> 70s and early 80s, Japanese guitar makers uh, straight up copied American intellectual property and then were sued for doing so because the guitars they were making were better than the American guitars <laughs> at the same time. And so this guitar was from before the lawsuit. There was a lot of that back and forth all the way up until like the late 90s too, right? Well, the solution was because the American manufacturers... Uh, couldn't make anything worth a damn. Uh, they just bought Japanese guitar makers or subcontracted them out uh, uh, yeah, to then here. just have them. So that's why you had all of these Japanese fenders and, and Gibsons and things like that showing up. Gotcha. Is It was their way to have the quality, the quality instruments. Yeah. And then yeah, that's uh, at some point... Learn from that. And then, yeah, yeah, they gotcha. relearned how to make their own guitars <laughs> in America. America was already great uh, at that time. So, yeah, so that was my first guitar... And I was learning garbage. I think I learned like Bon the Jovi's, oh. Bon Jovi's, uh, Dead or Alive. I had a guitar teacher who, like made every student of his learn that. Awesome. So, uh, and did you learn you know, it like, successfully? Yeah, yeah. I can, I can still play it. I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's a horrible Good song. To know. Uh, and you know, like Jesus Freak, and like you <laughs> know, just the you know, going to guitar lessons with cassette tapes. What's the line in Jesus Freak the Tattoo Belly? I don't <laughs> Ball of jelly or something. Uh, so one day I'm digging through some cassettes <laughs> and I find a cassette that my aunt had made for my dad of Steve Ray Vaughan's first two albums. So side mm-hmm. A was Texas Flood, side B was Couldn't Stand the Weather. Mm-hmm. So I put, on, put it on and then I get to Steve Ray Vaughan's version of Hendrix's Video Child. I've never heard this before. And it just mind. blows my mind entirely. I didn't even... The, the, this type of guitar playing that this could even exist it, it the instant I heard it my life changed yeah. like so very clearly that I decided this is what I want to do this is how I yeah. want to play guitar so it cues off this huge Steve Ray Vaughan obsession uh, I have friends in Chicago who make fun of me for this I have well actually I have friends all over the nation who make fun of me for this <laughs> uh, and I think rightfully so so I spent a lot of uh, junior high just this was all I listened to. And in reading Steve Ray on uh, biographies, I, I would buy every guitar issue that has anything Steve Ray Vaughan related. I just wanted yeah. to read everything related to him. And the thing that they always talk about was one of his first influences was uh, Lonnie Mack. Wham, right. this record. The story is, you know, he played this record so much that the grooves wore out. And I like still kind of can't imagine playing a record that much. Yeah, I know. I always think that's kind of bullshit. Uh, I, I believe it. I believe case. it's true. Yeah. So uh, when he was a teenager, he learned this record backwards and forwards and was one of the big influences on him. So I had to hear this track. I, I absolutely had to hear it. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm probably... 14 at the time, I learn about this thing that is the a holy grail track to one it's of my yeah, yeah to 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 one of my heroes. I'm like, if I can hear this, then I can understand something else. And there's know, no about Spotify, the mystery. There's no YouTube, so yes, you actually seek it out. So or, the, so this begins the quest. <laughs> I uh, there was no Kazaa, there was no LimeWire, mm. there was not like there was it just. 
the CD had been out of print, I think, for a decade yeah. by then. You know, couldn't even get a CD anywhere of it. Uh, so I can remember, this was the early days of eBay. So I'm in eighth or ninth grade asking a classmate who had an eBay account, like, because he, he, he would give him money and then he would buy, you know, right. stuff. And I was like, just a little bit. Uh, I was like, oh yeah, get me this record. And a couple weeks later, he was like, yeah, man, that doesn't exist. Like, you couldn't even find, like, <laughs> that's how small eBay. Yeah. eBay was at the time. Uh, and then, you know, I can remember for the next few years, like, I would think of the song when I was at a friend's house who had, like, DSL, and then I would look up, uh, I would look it up on, you know, wherever, and it was never, I could never find it right. on, like, the limited Something uh, you actually MP3 get. sites at the time. Right. So after, after years and years of just being unable to find this, uh, right after I graduated from high school, I was at Vinyl Edge, a uh, Houston record store that is still open, but it's a, it's a very nice, great record store. Uh, its original location was out in the suburbs and not in the Heights where it is now. And uh, this shop was tiny. It was, uh, you'd walk in and there's just boxes stacked to the ceiling. You could barely walk around. Uh, and so I'm crate digging in there and lo and behold, I find an Alligator Records repress of Where Was Memphis Man. I just, I, I can't even believe that I finally found the record. Yeah, like, I thought I was never, well, of course, I've seen it a hundred times since then. It's not even a rare record at all. <laughs> it's incredibly easy to find. Uh, so, uh, so I, you know, it was elated. When I went to college, I brought a record player with me. I brought nice. like my computer record player, nothing else. And my fraternity... Uh, guy roommate freshman roommate was just like what, what is this for <laughs> he's like why don't you have a television i was like yeah i have a record player so i uh also was recording mp3s off of my records onto my computer so i could burn the tracks yeah, on the yeah, so so the version that i listened to of this song actually is from my copy and my copy has a skip in it and i've heard it so uh, many yeah, times it's ingrained that, in your memory yeah so you and so when i don't hear the skip right. uh yeah, so anyway, that's an overly long uh, history of my <laughs> obsession with tracking down this song. Did it, had you, so you couldn't find the record for that long, but surely you'd actually, you, at some point you I'd heard, heard the song, I'd never heard Lonnie Mack play it. Wow. So it really... I, I went like six years of knowing it existed and never hearing it. That's insane. That was like... Because you had read so much about it, so I'm sure you had all these expectations as to what it would Well, in the instant like. I heard it, I immediately heard everything that Stevie Ray Vaughan had lifted. Yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, that's where he got these riffs. Right. And it, and it takes away some of the mystery. You know, you hear... A, a lot of times when you hear an incredibly talented musician and it's your first exposure to something <laughs> like that, it sounds like they've created the universe. Yeah. You know, just from nothing. Where did yeah. this come from? You yeah. just... Uh, and uh, my response was, well, they're a human. I'm a human. Physically, I should be able to play this. Yeah. So I didn't ever take skill or anything like that as something that should keep me from attempting right. to, to do something I had no business trying right. you know, at, at the current skill level. Uh, but I would persist. Uh, but then you know, as you listen to more music, you start to, in, especially with the artists that you love, you start to listen to a lot of their influences, yeah. and then you start to hear what that's where you, this is what you heard of this, and, and you start to make those connections, and you know that all of it's part of a broader conversation yeah. that you know is happening, but nobody's actually having yeah. with each other. Well, and then I'm sure for you too, as somebody then who becomes a songwriter and, and a musician yourself, that it helps you feel a little bit more confident that like you can also try to emulate their styles but create something new as well and that's okay no no <laughs> uh no the the biggest encouragement for me for for finally forming a band with, and doing my own material really was going to so many shows in Terrible austin friends. yeah uh, and with friends <laughs> friends of mine where they would have like one or two good songs that i liked but yeah you know, i'm just watching this and i was like i could do this well, I was like, I won't be that bad, <laughs> and, and and not in a you know I wasn't I not don't expect just, to create yeah. anything you know earth shattering, right. but I I don't think that I make something that's embarrassing, right. you know. So it was enough to be like, there's no reason not, not to get to on stage, yeah. uh, and I I think everyone should live that way. I agree that uh, a lot of people are are scared of microphones and stages and audiences, and I think. If you start performing, you will discover that they are perfectly harmless. Well, until they shock you because the venue doesn't take care of their equipment. 
but I haven't had that happen. That's good. Did uh, can you play this song like note mm-hmm. for note? Uh, yeah, for yeah. the most part. How long did it take you to learn? Um, you know, I didn't learn this version. I learned a Steve oh, Ray Vaughan version. Yeah. But for a long time, which what, I, which record was it on for Steve? Or was it just like a? It was a bonus track yeah. on an extended edition. Gotcha. Uh, but uh, yeah, I used to play this track uh, through high school and college. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would. This was one of the songs on my set list because it was pretty like heavy, riffy. Yeah, it's fun. It's like, just like it's two a, minutes long too, so you can kind of burn the stage down and yeah, and, and forward. Yeah, good way to start or end a end a set. It's considered like reading about it. It's I guess it's considered like one of the earliest kind of guitar virtuoso like yeah and that's so yeah it's the other thing with Lonnie Mack he's one of like it's him Ike Turner a few other guys before you have this idea right of of someone like that like you had Muddy Waters you had these incredible blues guitarists when is guitarists. like Link Ray is that this Link Ray is a little, little bit after, earlier a little earlier yeah okay. uh, Link Ray was getting banned from the radio in the 50s that's right uh, but uh, but he's not like a virtuoso like Link Ray is not like a virtuoso and the Ventures were right Right about then. Right about then. Yeah. Uh, and they're obviously not virtuous. Well, I say that. Yeah. They're great. I like the Ventures a lot. Uh, there is a live in Japan record that you can't get. Mm-hmm. Like I think it was only released as a CD. But if you look up Ventures live in Japan, like '68 or '66, I can't remember the the exact year, but it's on YouTube and it will just blow the doors yeah. off of whatever you, whatever you think or, you know, if you listen to the Ventures, you're like, oh, that's cheesy or this, you know, whatever surf music. The Ventures outsold, at the height of the Beatles' popularity in Japan, the Ventures outsold them. Wow. Like, the Ventures are a national treasure in Japan. <laughs> and so this is them playing at their peak, at the, peak, yeah. at the place where they are. It's like the Hollywood Bowl for the Beatles. Yeah, place, and, and so this yeah. show, it's got all of that energy. Right, that's crazy. Uh, and they're playing these instrumentals. And, you know, I don't think anyone's really got a ton of tolerance for instrumental music right. at all anymore. Yeah. I mean, maybe it has to do with less English speakers. And so they understood the guitar more than the words. I don't know. Oh, sure. Who knows? Do you still have that uh, Ivanez guitar? Uh, no, I do not. No, what I happened to, to it? I had to let that go. Yeah. Too much yeah. space. Would you track it down if, like, if you saw it in a pawn shop? Would you go buy it? I probably would. Yeah, it's a legend, man. It's gonna be in a rock and roll or what's the Hard Rock Hotel? <laughs> Whatever horrible restaurant you want my old guitarist to play in, <laughs> I'm sure we can work something out. I hope so. All right, should we go to the next one? Oh uh, yeah. All right, let's do. Oh man, this is a fun one. I'm excited for it. Uh, this is "Blister in the Sun" by the lovely Violent Femmes. Starting to cry when I'm walking, stop, 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 yeah, I'm so strong. Yeah. 
they did at the time and the pretenders are playing a show that night oh, wow. yeah. and Chrissy Hind is walking down the street and like hears them yeah and then it's like you guys should open for us and like, they <laughs> what? yeah got, they open for the pretenders like that's, that's the, crazy I, I'm probably getting the exact details wrong Somebody, it's probably yeah. like two un, the busking see, being seen by Chrissy Hind in the opening like all happened yeah uh, whether or not it was like in the same afternoon <laughs> that's probably like legend making type stuff right yeah, that's uh, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, so I, uh, this song always, always kept with me because of the way that I discovered it. I was in, it was in fifth or sixth grade, and I had recorded a mixtape, and I was just going through, uh, just got a cassette deck for the first time in a very long time. So yeah. I was going through all these mixtapes that I made when I was in fifth or sixth grade. And it, there's a very clear separation. I, I can tell when Linear. I discovered the alternative radio station. Yeah. Because there's a lot of mixtapes <laughs> that are all the top 40 yeah. of of the late 90s. Yeah. And then it very clearly switches. I think to, you sent me a few of the tracks. And yeah, yeah, like, when I was oh listen, as I was listening to them. <laughs> yeah, and it was all bad. Yeah. Uh, but the thing that I always remembered was, so I recorded Blister in the Sun off the radio. I only heard it once. I, they didn't. In, I didn't catch the intro, so I didn't know who it was. Oh uh, yeah. And so it's just a song. Yeah, this elusive that I, song that you love. Right, right. Yeah, I had this song on a tape that I was like, "This is an amazing song," and and no one talked about the Femmes. No one brought it up. Uh, and I have a bunch of friends who who love the Violent Femmes. This is a wildly popular song, but it yeah. never uh, appeared anywhere else in conversation because I was listening to blues music or I was doing other, like I I wasn't listening to this stuff yeah. so I wasn't ever talking about it even though like it's a song that I always like really really knew and so I don't think it was until college that I actually finally like locked Realized down the was. knowledge <laughs> of like this is the Violent Femmes and then uh, I actually didn't even start listening to them until I was like 23 or 24 yeah wow. uh, I was DJing with uh, my friend Jeremy uh, from Fleshlights and uh, and he played Gone Daddy Gone yeah and I was like man why haven't I listened to the rest of this stuff? Right. And, and, you know, now it's a um, staple of DJ sets whenever I do them. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, another instance of just, there was no Shazam. Just, I had a song on a cassette tape. Yeah. You're like, God, I wish I knew more about this. And, and then my parents were weirdly, uh, like, controlling about music where I was never allowed to buy any CDs with, uh, parental, parental advisory, advisory yeah. and this here. album doesn't have it but like even until like I was 18 still not allowed makes zero sense yeah because I was allowed to go play in bars till 2am <laughs> on school nights but I couldn't own like Nirvana's yeah. Nevermind uh, I don't know how that squares Nevermind had a parental advisory yeah wow. I think so but uh, yeah so at the time like I also knew the song was I didn't know why it was dirty, yeah. but I just had this sense that like there's something about this song that is illicit that I'm not allowed. This is, has some secret knowledge that I'm supposed to not have. Right. So then it's like I can't, you know, you, you never talked about it with like in the house of like, oh, I found this song I love. Like was never going to tell my parents because then they're going to be like, you're absolutely not yeah. listening to that. Uh, you know. Yeah. I always heard that like he, the singer, actually has like a, a small hands. Mm. and that the you know the line about his hands yeah. and stuff he actually was always kind of self-conscious about it around women and so there's like an illusion towards that I, I, I'm not a lyrics person so I can't like decode it much farther than I, just yeah. reading that bit but I, I did not I did not know that yeah 
Yeah, I was watching. I had a, a pretty solid afternoon of uh, I was doing some coding for work and was just playing. Uh, there's a great like live concert of them in Australia, like yeah. 1988, yeah. on a, on YouTube. So just going through basically this record and then right. a few others. And there's so much energy. You yeah, know, it's a crowd of like 2,500 people. So when I was in Australia earlier last year, um, I was in Sid or I was in Melbourne. And my Airbnb host was like, hey, you're going to a party. Uh, if you want to go. And it's like, sure. So we went and uh, ended up like staying out all night. Until, yeah. Like the sun rose and somewhere around like 3.30 in the morning or something like with the campfire going. And, you know, the, the inevitable like party experience of somebody bringing a guitar right. out. And then um, someone brought like a songbook out or something. <laughs> and it had like all like, of oh, Violent Femmes songs. Yeah. And then like we just did Violent Femmes uh, sing along for like 25 minutes. And I think that's the best way that story has ever gone. Cause usually it's, I, I get, uh, I had a bunch of friends here who there was a dude who would always bring a guitar out yeah, yeah. and what he would always do is say it ain't so. Oh, and it's no. like, if I have to go to another one of these house parties and listen to everyone single, like the first time it happened, it was kind of like fun and okay. Yeah. And then when I realized that he did it like every party, stick. yeah, I... <laughs> like, learn another song, dude. Right. Like, yeah, there's, there's, there's so many sad songs that you can, that you can <laughs> well, sing. Well, the exact same effect. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just horrible. Um, <laughs> did you know that this song was actually the first English language song to be played on the Republic of Ireland Irish radio station? I did not know that. Yeah, well, now you do. So very, very highly sought after across the entire world. I have a, I got a good friend out in San Francisco and I have a very like clear, great memory of like early twenties. So this was right when, uh, Barbarella, a dance club in Austin, Texas <laughs> opened. It's everywhere. There's another, it's another, there's one in Houston. Yeah. I think there's one in New York and San Francisco too. Is there? Maybe yeah, I don't think so. No, okay. I think there's just the, just those two. Okay. Anyway, horrible, horrible place. Night, land of nightmares come to life. <laughs> Uh, so in the early days, uh, they've never mixed up what they do. They've, their, their, their thing is on Thursday nights, they do fifties and sixties, Fridays is eighties and Saturdays is new hits. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we'd always go over there on like, uh, on Friday night. And when they first opened, I don't know who the DJ was, but he would break, I assume it's a he, sorry, sexist. The DJ would break genre at like midnight, uh, <laughs> And what would happen is right at midnight, like you'd walk, I, so I'd walk in there, you know, a few drinks. Right at midnight, they would play like Ramones, rock and roll radio. Then they would go into Modern Lovers, Roadrunner, yeah. and then uh, they would play uh, Add It Up by the by the Violet Femmes. And, mm, and so while that place gets just horribly packed yeah. and crowded now, at the time it would still get very crowded. Kind of a creepy song to play at Barbarella. It was awesome. <laughs> well, at the, at the time it was, you know, Austin was half the size it is now. Right. And, and it was, the crowd was basically just like 22 to 26 year olds. Like okay. it, it was yeah. a very, very specific yeah, you kind of knew that you were there. Yeah, yeah. So it was one of these things. Like it was still a place where you know, oh yeah, you can go to hook up, but it in no way like has the negative. It didn't have like the creepy yeah. like yeah. meat market feel that it has definitely right. it has now. Right. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's a wonderful place. Everyone should. Um, <laughs> that's quite the turn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I, I have a great memory of singing Add It Up with my friend uh, Whitney. That's awesome. Uh, it's a great song. That will be the last thing I remember when I have Alzheimer's. Definitely listen to it if you haven't. Um, but of course you have because it's been around since 1983. Should we go to the last one? Yeah. All right, so the last one comes from Montreal's very own Arcade Fire. Actually, Woodland's very own. Well, it depends on what you talk about, but um, the Arcade Fire. Uh <laughs> And the song is called Intervention.
intervention one of the more excellent uses of a church organ ever i would agree (laughs) i think i've got this i have a 45 of this really yeah wow i didn't realize i guess yeah it was like it was the second or third single probably yeah yeah Bible. Bible. 2007 yeah so this would be uh, a song that would be quote unquote out of character for me since i don't like yeah i'm surprised that you picked this one uh yeah so when uh, you like popular music, just very, very limited amounts. Yeah, all four songs. Uh, no, when I was... Uh, so there's, there's a lot of ways that you discover music, and, and kind of this is, you know, the thing that ties these songs together for me mm-hmm. uh, is I return to them a lot, and, and they're centered in, you know, holding places in my mind. Yeah. And then the, the way that they're discovered, I think, uh, matters. So yeah. I... Uh, well, I went to college. I was going to be studying music. Mm-hmm. And very quickly, within my first semester, I kind of figured out, I don't want to be a professional guitarist. Yeah. It's not... 
I'm, I wasn't going to go through a music education and, and transfer to like Berkeley, Berkeley College of Music or something like that. Yeah. I just I just wasn't wasn't going to do that. And at the same time, I got very very involved with a uh, Christian campus group. Yeah, and that is the group that defined my college experience. Yeah, uh, outside of getting the degree, but uh, all of my social circle was there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, because of that, one of the big things that can impact what you hear about and what you listen to yeah. is who you're friends with. This is not a very hip crowd, if you <laughs> if you can imagine. There's this is a type of group that had a lot of people that would never listen to any secular music. But like David Crowder band, man. Yeah. And 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 this was at a time when uh, like hipster Christianity, like right, it's was, was rise, really, yeah. really getting going. So it's like David Crowder band, Mute Math, mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff like that. I could never do that because I was like, songs aren't dangerous. <laughs> That's <laughs> crazy. Uh, at the same time, uh, in my final two years of college, I worked at the Canvas Bookstore. I like that summary. Songs aren't dangerous. <laughs> could have saved so many lives. For <laughs> yeah, <about> sixty years. <laughs> uh, well, a big thing I have. Uh, to to speak to the to the character of of how this this mm-hmm. group would think, um, I remember having to read uh, Nietzsche's "Thus Spoke Zarathustra," mm-hmm. which is a cornerstone of Western philosophy, most famous for the line "God is dead." Right, where monks coming down a mountain, he's proclaiming God is dead, and then preaches the what this means for mankind that we are now in a process of overcoming ourselves that the the ubermensch the overman right. is coming we aren't there yet but we're in this transitional period uh, and there's a lot more there so i'm reading that for a political theory class and one of my roommates comes in and he's like why are you reading that atheist trash man it's like for class and he's like <laughs> you, like and he couldn't put together even the, the, yeah even yeah, I was like was different this is, to what he may have thought it was not it was still worth yeah, and even <laughs> even so, like if you really believe in something, then it's encountering encountering ideas that are contrary to it, that's not corrupting, right. and it shouldn't be. Like right. if 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 your belief structure is so weak that you can't withstand alternative ideas, that's that's a problem. That's a flaw in itself. Yeah, right. uh, you know, so that's that's the way that these people thought. So I'm working in the college bookstore, and in the college bookstore, there's a bunch of different people who work there. We have a serious FM. And I listened to every single top 40 country song from the day, oh, a lot yeah. of top 40, but I would always put it on the... That's uh, like the days of Big and Rich or one of those I don't know. Bands. Uh, yeah, some big Kelly Clarkson song about uh, <laughs> destroying a car. Uh, I remember the narrative <laughs> of that, uh, nice. clearly. But uh, yeah, so I would put on uh, the college radio station. So 2008 was a very good year. For a lot of indie yeah. music, uh, I always really, I still really like Vampire Weekend's first record. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I, I just listen to a lot of that stuff, and I think that there was a lot of really good work, as there still is in the community. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was kind of some outside influence that I wouldn't have been aware of. Right. Uh, it, it, yeah, you were blogs were like Pitchfork was around, but but in terms of music discovery, it was very very hard. Yeah, if you didn't have, like, I'm in Hunts. I was in Huntsville, Texas. Like, there's yeah, there's, there's half the town's population is in prison. There's no, uh, re- it, it, even road, even the it? even the college bands, the bands that existed on campus, they yeah. were playing like '90s alternative rock. Like, the, it, it was like stepping into a time zone. There right. was just, I I got your typical college influences some, some from some friends. Like a guy gave me Frank Zappa's entire discography, and like there's there's some. <laughs> Or, and Tom Waite to give me both of those and that was a, <laughs> this is when I was when I was uh, when I was a freshman right so even with you know being a pretty lame town somehow I still had the like two cornerstone artists that everyone gets really obnoxious about yeah in college given to me for a good reason uh, yeah. yeah but uh, yeah so I'm listening to stuff and then I moved to Austin uh, after I graduated to take my first job and that's the year so about the same time, Andrew Bird's mm-hmm. great record. Uh, I forget what it's called, but I know. Yeah, the, the whistle sp- one. Yeah, the whistle one. Like, yeah. That's like <laughs> it, and every song on that is just like 
painfully beautiful. Yeah. But like it's a great record. That record was out. Tao Nguyen was about to release her first record. Uh, it was a bunch of really good stuff. And Arcade Fire released Neon Bible. I didn't really get into uh, the first record, which the everyone, yeah, yeah, which everyone else did. I got into this one, so mm-hmm. I did. I, I even did Arcade Fire wrong. But uh, <laughs> at the same time as this is happening. I knew that I didn't have this faith that my yeah. friends had. I knew that all of my social circle is in this group. I can't voice my concerns to anyone because I'm a leader. Right. And so I move out here alone after a year and a half of like knowing this. Yeah. And I listen to this song. And, you know, I, and now it's like I was upset and like there's a lot... This is a real like crisis of, of personality. Yeah. Of, you know who I am, what do I believe, who am I going to be, combined with like oh, and you graduated college, define your life. So all of that's going on. Right. And so I'm listening to the song, and there's just these lyrics. Uh, uh, some back history on Montreal, where the band's from. Montreal is an incredibly Woodlands, but yeah. uh, Montreal is an incredibly Catholic city, um, historically. I didn't know. At some time in the, in the '60s everybody stopped going to church like at once. So you have all of these, like in the neighborhoods, just every corner is a Catholic church, but yeah. nobody goes. Uh, and so that's kind of still like in the character of, of the town, but huh. a very strong anti-religious yeah. sentiment yeah. Uh, that carried over from the 60s. And I, I don't think of it as like anti-religious now. It's just, it, it's kind of just now not part of the culture, but yeah. it's part of the history. So you have to square that. Right, right. Um, so, you know, I'm hearing these lyrics and it's like working for the church while your life falls apart, working for the church while your family dies. Uh, you know, these really, really caustic lines. Yeah. Just bitter, bitter, bitter. And I don't, I, I, I never really had like that feeling. Right. But I did have a sense of hypocrisy mm-hmm. for, for the friends that I had where I was, they're, they're very much so focused in their relationships with, um, are you a part of the group? Mm-hmm. Are, is your faith meeting the definition that we as a group have decided faith should yeah. be? Uh, a lot of conversations like that. And at a certain point, I came to realize that this method of communication, you know, you can't treat people like projects. And it was always strange to me because I always had friends across all kinds of belief spectrums, even when I was very heavily in this group. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to for like, one, you shouldn't have to agree with me in what I believe. And, like, I'll talk to you and be open about whatever mm-hmm. I have. But if you don't like it, yeah, that's fine. We can still be friends. Still so be friends. it was kind of always deeply troubling that a lot of people would get to a point where it was clear that whoever their current project was wasn't going to take the red pill. Mm-hmm. They would stop hanging out with them. And you're like, this is, these aren't friendships. Yeah. So I, I just had a very strong, and, and also when I'm going through this, I finally you know tell all of my friends, you know, hey, I don't believe in this. Uh, huge moment, and for me personally, like, yeah, it just I'm took sure a lot to do. A lot of energy to that. Uh, I don't talk. I only talk to like two people I went to college with. Right. I don't talk to anyone. Like they, and I probably pushed them away, but at the same time, like, yeah, this is why. Yeah. And so, this song for me at that time was just hugely like something that I could latch on to, like to kind of express these yeah. things that, that I had been, that I had been thinking, you know, it's like, especially that line, uh, it's like every spark of friendship and hope will die without a home. And I'm like, your friendships, like there is no home for your friendships and yeah. you know, a bunch of stuff like that. So thank you college radio for pointing me to arcade fire. It's that record. Like I, I very much remember that coming out cause I, I was late to funeral. I think my first like knowledge of them was that that year they played ACL, which was when I had first moved to Austin, and like Coldplay was the big headliner. And Coldplay gave a shout out to them. It was like, did you guys catch Arcade Fire? They were awesome. And then like overnight, everyone in Austin was like, if you either yeah, saw it and you were smarter yeah. than everyone, um, or you, you said instantly, you <laughs> yeah, you said you were there, and then you went and looked it up and realized it was a great record. And then funeral was like very much my. I'm living in Los Angeles for the summer and this is the record that I listen to every time I'm in the car. Yeah. So I loved that record. The Neon Bible came out and it was very different, but 
I mean, yeah, this track is phenomenal, and the whole use of the organ. I always liked My Body as a Cage. was, like, my favorite track in there. It's that really long, yeah. organy one that, like, drops really big, bombast at the end. The other one was uh, I Don't Want to Work in the Building Downtown. Oh, uh, yeah. Don't want to. Yeah. Like, and then I had just gotten my first job, so my, <laughs> my commute was, like, a 45-minute commute yeah. in Austin, and yeah. I'm, like, driving to this. Uh, I was writing tweets for a credit union i was making the content of oh these. yeah right. i was like making you know making the the content sausage right. for financial services yeah. and like i'm just <laughs> all of your frustrations i'm like this, this is my career yeah it's like yeah these are dark days uh, i didn't know anyone in this town either to yeah. like hang out with so i'm like breaking up with my college girlfriend deciding i don't believe in god and like yeah. and trying to figure out how to have a career i was it's like a, it was like 22 was awesome <laughs> like that was like, I would rather not repeat that year. Yeah, yeah. It was. A, I mean, it's a really good record. I think it's underrated, um, and I mean, I think it's it's great. It's it's aged well. I think. And I remember I had a friend, my friend Miriam, um, was also really into Arcade Fire, and she went to like the taping. They did their first mm-hmm. ACL taping on this record, and yeah. they played a lot of songs from it. I think they even loaded in like some sort of big piano organ like thing, and. I couldn't get in. I just remember her being like, that was the best taping I've ever seen. They were supposed to play that show at the power plant. Ah, that's right. Yeah. I got into that and like, it didn't happen Yeah. or it was like, it, it or it turned out to be a DJ set. Yeah. Something like that there. Yeah. A lot of fake outs in this town. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, great record, great band. Um, I mean, I think they catch a lot of flack because they kind of were the indie snobs that then broke out and became, mainstream people say that the music doesn't say as much as what they pretend like it does but you know it's still good i, yeah, I have I no idea what it. they've released since then suburbs was the big grammy one that okay. came out after this that well they deserve all of the success that they got yeah um i also love montreal <laughs> it's the best city well city in north america i did go to one arcade fire dj set and it was like <laughs> they were playing a secret show at continental club that just turned out to be like uh, his little like Wen Butler's Little Brothers band that was basically just like a '70s rock and roll tribute band. Essentially, they were fine, but and then in between, Wen was DJing in the back, okay. like vinyl, but yeah. he was obscured, um, and like he was playing stuff, and it was a decent DJ yeah, set, like but um, it was Continental Club, so like no one was really dancing and. Feeling it, and he kept getting on the microphone with like voice of God and be like, "Dance, that. you fuckers, dance!" <laughs> just like, dude, chill He's out. He's like, man. he didn't want to be there. No, I'm on his side. Like, that's a pretty crummy like <laughs> situation to be in. No, the oh. art. If you get, come on, like, I think it was one of those things where it had been leaked a secret. Like, show you sign up, you don't care. Everyone was like, "Is Arcade yeah. Fire gonna play?" And it's like, no. Yeah. But anyways, that was good. Anything else you want to add? Uh, no. February 17th, Beerland, Horizontal Hold, will be playing. It's going to be good. Our first show. We don't sound anything like any of the music that was played tonight. That's true. Yeah, we didn't even go there. But that's good because we got to keep them guessing. Well, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. It was a good chat. Glad to to come. Glad to share the diverse music. This was a a good mix. I think we had two. The past two ones have been like all hip-hop, so it's different uh, little 60s style in there. and It's good stuff. All right. Jason, thanks again. Until next time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Bye.